Good evening. I want to talk to a select group of people tonight. Um, this morning, this morning there were, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 15 kids, maybe a few more, I don't know, who raised their hand indicating that they had prayed to ask Jesus Christ to come into their life. And um, I want to talk to you people who raised your hand this morning. Now the rest of you are cordially invited to listen in. But I want to tell you guys that trusted Christ today, I want to tell you what happened. You may not even realize it. This is something that happened. Before we look into God's Word, let's uh, pray for just a minute. Father, I thank you for those kids today who realized a need of a Savior and asked Jesus to be that Savior. And God, you know that Satan is ticked off by that, that he will make every attempt to uproot the seed that has been planted. He will make every attempt to convince these kids that in a moment of emotion they made fools of themselves. Oh God, I pray that you would impress upon them, help them to realize that what happened was they become children. They became children of yours bound for an eternity in heaven. Defeat Satan, I pray, as he attempts to mess this whole thing up, I pray. Speak through your word tonight, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you kids who um, trusted Christ today, I want to make a suggestion. Thursday night we're having a campfire. I'm going to do a gospel magic presentation up here. And then we're going to be, I think it's right after that, we're going to a campfire. I don't know. What, anyway, Thursday night we're having a campfire. And there will be um, a microphone up there. And you will find kids getting up to give a testimony. That is, they're going to tell what Jesus Christ has done in their life. I want to encourage you kids who raise your hand today. You're sincere. You can't stay quiet about it. It's easy to hide that way. Now what you need to do is be bold. Now, it, yeah, I know, it's not easy walking up in front of a microphone with, a, you know, 160 or I don't know how many kids are here, but a lot of kids. Could I suggest you do this? You walk up there and you give your name and you simply say this, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior this week and sit down. You have no idea how encouraging that will be to the counselors, to the staff of this camp, and it will be good for you. Alright? So think about that. 
What happened this morning, I want to read a passage in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and I am going to read, um, I'm going to start in verse 21 and read through verse 27. And you might want to read this whole chapter sometime, but not now, please. It's all about, it's a description of what heaven is going to visually look like. And there's a whole lot to it, but just the last little part, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, and I'm reading verse 21. This is a little bit about the gates. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Man, I want to see those pearls. Those are some big pearls. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. If you ever get a chance to go to New York City, go to the Trump Tower Hotel. Now, you know what a mirror looks like, right? You look in one almost every day. But what you don't notice about it is if there is color to it, there is a tinge of silvery color to a mirror, right? Most mirrors. In the Trump Tower Hotel, when you go up the escalator, you're standing there and this thing is, is taking you up. The wall on one side is all mirror, but it doesn't have a silver tint. It has a gold tint. It's different than any mirror I have ever seen in my life. It's worth seeing. Just riding up the escalator and ride back down. And look at yourself in a gold-tinted mirror. It says the twelve gates were one pearl and the streets of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And that's the best thing I can think of. The Trump Tower Hotel. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun, nor of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of the Lord illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, sacrificed for you. And the nations uh, of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there is no night. They shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now here's what I really want you to hear. Verse 27. There shall, be by, uh, there shall by no means enter it, that is, heaven, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who's, who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's a book in heaven. My name is in it. The names of a lot of people here are in it. No, Dave's name is in it. It's a, a book filled with the names of those who have said to God, God, I know I'm a, savior. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. And to you kids who raised your hand this morning, you walked in that door, your name was not in that book. When you walked out, your name was there. It's never going to be erased. 
What does it mean to be branded by the Creator King? It means you have been redeemed. The word redeem means to buy back by paying a price. You guys perhaps know how a pawn shop works. You need some money, find a nice gold watch, preferably yours, take it to the pawn shop, ask how much he'll give you. He'll look at it, he'll analyze it, and say, uh, I'll give you $100. I don't know, maybe that's a lot. Let's say $100. He'll write a detailed account of what it looks like. He'll take the watch, he'll give you $100. Now, he'll give you a time period during which it's guaranteed it's going to be there. So you can bring that $100 back, buy it back, redeem it. After that certain amount of time, it's his. He can sell it back to you for five times as much if he wants, if you want it badly enough. But you can buy back that article of value by giving him, giving the money back. Okay? And there was redemption that was needed for mankind. See, here's the situation. There were three characteristics of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. One, they were totally righteous. They had not sinned. Now, if you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, they never told a lie, they, they never, never did, you know, anything like that. Hey, the Ten Commandments had not been given, and they weren't going to be given for a long while. In fact, it's interesting to note that Eve, in talking to the serpent, said something that was not true. She actually technically told a lie. It wasn't, wasn't counted against her. Because you can't break a law that isn't, doesn't exist. There's some spots in the desert in, in Nevada. If I want to drive my car 135 miles per hour, like it could really go that, but, but if, suppose it could, and I'm, I, I could wave to the cop while I'm going by 135 miles per hour. He's not going to do a thing because there is no law. You can't break a law. There's no speed limit. You can't break a law that doesn't exist. They only had one law. One command, don't eat the fruit of the tree that's in the center of the garden. That's it. So they hadn't broken it, yet they were totally righteous. There was another characteristic. They were in perfect fellowship with God. There was nothing, no problems between them. There was a third characteristic. They were alive spiritually. Now, they were alive physically too, but, but they were alive spiritually. See, Satan, through that serpent, said, Has God told you that you can't eat of the fruit of, you know, all the, the fruit of the garden? And Eve carries on this conversation, and the serpent says, You shall not surely die. And they bit that fruit, Eve and then Adam, and they're still walking around, and it might have appeared to them 
like Satan was right. That serpent was right. I'm still walking around. I didn't die. Now, they didn't die physically. What they didn't realize is they died spiritually. Okay, so what they had was righteousness, perfect fellowship, and they were spiritually alive, and then crunch. And all that was gone out the window. See, they had a free will. Why did God give them a free will? Well, if they didn't have a free will, we call them robots. How much glory can God get from a robot? A robot that can't do anything but obey. No, you see, when you have the opportunity to disobey and you choose not to, that's glorifying God. And by the way, you have the opportunity every day of your life to obey God. And when you do, that's honoring and glorifying to Him. Well, suddenly they had a new situation. They were guilty. They had a sin nature. Some of you remember the last time I was here. I, um, I needed to help you understand that you have a sin nature. And there used to be a piano in that corner. And I think up above it, on that wall, was um, a bulletin board. And I came in here and I stood up on a chair. I put a chair on a table and I'm way up top, way up right about here, I stuck a gum, a gum wrapper right on the wall. Nobody knew it. Nobody noticed it. And I stood over here and I said, now I want to prove to you that you have a sin nature. I said, everyone look right here. And everybody's staring right here. And I said, now look, I, I came in and I put something in here secretly before the service. And I'm going to tell you what it is and I'm going to tell you where it is, but you are not going to look at it until I give you permission. You all agree? They all agree. And I told him, over in that corner, as you look in the front, on the right-hand side, there's a piano. There's a bulletin board up above there. And up above the bulletin board, stuck to the wall, is a blue gum wrapper. But you're not going to look at it until I give you permission. Right? Right, they all said. And I said, now I'm going to walk over to the podium, but you're not going to look up there. You're just going to look at me. And I walked over, and I stood here, and I waited about five seconds. And I said, now tell the truth, how many have already looked at it? The vast majority had already looked. Why? Because we have a sin nature. When, when we're told to do something, we just decide, no, I'm not going to do it. And when we're told not to do something, we just make up our mind, we're going to do it. Well, all of a sudden, Adam and Eve had a sin nature. And that sin nature was passed down through the generations, which is why you do what you do. Hey, there was another problem. Perfect fellowship with God? 
that was broken. I want you to look at a couple of verses. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I want to read verse 10. Romans 5 verse 10. For when we were enemies of uh, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Hey guys, you who trusted Christ as Savior this morning, those of you who put your hand up, you walked in that door an enemy of God. You walked out a child of God. That's what happened this morning. And it's never going to change. Look at another one, John 3.36. John chapter 3 and verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. When you walked in the door this morning, the wrath of God abided on you. When you walked out the door, it was all gone. And He was in love with you. Pleased with you. One more, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Guys, when you walked in the door this morning, you were a child of wrath, whether you realized it or not. When you walked out that door, it just was not true anymore. Well, there was a need for redemption. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Real simple. The law brings wrath. That's Romans chapter 4. Let me just check that. Verse 15. Romans 4.15 The law, you know those Ten Commandments? It brings wrath. From who? God. Why? Because you can't obey it. You haven't obeyed it today. And didn't obey it yesterday. So there was redemption that was needed. Now let me explain how redemption works. You all like Kellogg's Corn Flakes? No? Okay. Let's just pretend tonight that we all like Kellogg's Corn Flakes, okay? And I'm on the board of directors of the Kellogg's company. And I got a brilliant idea. We're going to make a new Kellogg's Corn Flakes that has a vanilla flavoring to it. Hmm. Okay. Now, there's a little bit of a problem. See, first of all, the people don't know about it. They've never tasted it. It hasn't gotten out of the factory door yet. So we want people to try Kellogg's vanilla-flavored corn flakes. They don't exist yet, by the way. But if they do, thank me. Okay? 
We want them to try it. Problem is, the price is probably going to be a little higher than usual. Uh, one, you've got to pay extra people to, to come and, and put that flavoring in there. You've got to buy the flavoring. Uh, you've got to buy, get somebody to design a package because it's different from the other one, you know. So there's some extra cost. Now, people probably are going to, you know, especially in these economic times, they're going to want to pay as little as possible. So they're probably going to be tempted to buy the less expensive, the plain old ordinary Kellogg's Corn Flakes. We want them to buy the vanilla flavor, so here's what we do. We make a coupon for $1 off. All right? Now, the problem, price is a little high. We make a coupon, and we promise to redeem, to buy back that coupon, giving the customer a dollar off the price. Cost to the Kellogg's company, one dollar per coupon. What does the customer have to do? Go in the store, pick up a box of Kellogg's vanilla cornflakes, walk up to the counter, give them the coupon and pay a dollar less. What do we get? A lower price, a dollar off. That's the way redemption works. Now let's look at mankind's situation. The situation is this. God wants you. Everybody say your name on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, God wants all of those people that just... He wants them with Him eternally. The problem, they're sinners. They're damaged goods. And sin has a price. What is the price of sin? Death. The wages of sin is death. Terribly high. The solution, God promises to buy back something. In fact, He promises to buy back three things. Now, you guys who raised your hand this morning, listen carefully. These are the three things you got back today. You ready? One. He bought back your righteousness. Romans chapter 3, 21 and 22. We read it this morning, or was it yesterday? One of them. Now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Did you believe today that Jesus Christ died to pay for your sins? Did you believe that you needed a Savior? Did you ask Him to be your Savior? Then what you got was the righteousness of God. Folks, there's no righteousness as righteous as the righteousness of God. Now I know the, the next question. I know. I'm a magician. I know what you're thinking next. You know, I'm a mind reader. How come I don't feel so righteous? That's because there's two kinds of righteousnesses. There's God's righteousness and your idea of righteous. 
your, your idea of righteous is an idea that doesn't give you any confidence at all. God's uh, idea of righteousness is a righteousness that, that says you're clean, you're pure, you can soar. Your righteousness is a righteousness that says, oh man, I messed up again, I better not even try to go to him. And Satan puts that in your mind. God's righteousness, pardon me, is a righteousness that says, you can boldly become, come before my throne of grace. I love you. I want to give you forgiveness. And there's a whole lot of other things that, that I could tell you about that, that passage. But time is flying by, so I've got to hurry. Listen, there's a second thing. Oh, by the way, I, I, I do want to read one more verse. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. Uh, I know this. Forget it. I'm not going to look it up. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.21 He, God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You kids who raised your hand today, you got righteousness. Whether you feel righteous or not, you got the righteousness of God. And yes, you're going to sin. There's nobody in this room that is not going to sin. We need to try our best to live for God and not sin. But Satan is after us. He is going to tempt you. You are going to sin. But you see, the beauty of it is you now have the opportunity to go to Him and ask forgiveness. And 1 John 1 9 says, He will, He is faithful and just. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So do it. Go to Him when you mess up. 2nd thing is, you got fellowship with Him. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look up here. This is reconciliation. Look. Here's a married couple. Firmly in love with one another. Things go wrong. They're not communicating. There's some misunderstandings. And all of a sudden, there's a separation. Some of you may know all about that. Maybe that's happened in your family. And you know very well when that happens, the kid's prayer life generally gets better. Oh God, would you please bring my parents back together again in a love relationship? Maybe they do some marriage counseling. That's reconciliation. Coming back together again in a love relationship. And that's what God did for you this morning, those of you who trusted Christ. You were separated from God. You are not anymore. You have been reconciled to God. 
through your faith in Jesus Christ. There's a third thing that you got. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, is that you, those 15 people? Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, if you hear of my death, don't cry. Don't mourn. I will be more alive then than I am now. Probably be able to move around a little bit better too. <laughs> Listen, I've got eternal life. This body is going to be put in a box and, and buried. But this is not Dave Seifert. This is the—I don't know—it's it's mostly water and about thirty different chemicals and some bone and, and all that 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 makes up the vehicle that Dave Seifert travels through life in. You see the vehicle. You don't see Dave Seifer. That's an invisible spirit inside of me and the same thing inside of you. This body is going to go under in the ground and be buried. The real me going for a ride. It's upward. Ephesians 2.1 And you has he has made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. You guys, you, you 10 or 15 kids who raised your hand today, you walked in that door dead spiritually. You walked out alive. And you'll be alive forever spiritually. What was the cost to God? For Kellogg's Cornflake Company, it's a dollar per coupon. To God, the cost was the death of His Son. Our job, what do we have to do? Hey, we want that vanilla ice, that vanilla cornflake coupon redeemed. We gotta, we gotta take the product off the shelf, take it up to the front, let the cashier scan it, give her the coupon. What do you need to do in order to have? What God has promised, call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10.13 says, Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what do you get? What did you, kids who raised your hand this morning, get? You got righteousness. You got fellowship with God. You got eternal life. And you ought to dance your way out that door tonight. Listen, listen. Listen. I don't know what that's all about. Doesn't matter. Listen. Tonight, if you have not availed yourself of all that God wants to give you, if you're still sitting here, you're still weighing this whole thing about Christianity and faith in Christ and, and, and you're just not sure. Talk to your counselor tonight. They want to help you. You may have other questions, difficult questions to answer. Ask them. Talk to your counselor tonight. Don't walk out of here. Don't leave this camp.
still in a state where you're not sure. Because God loves you and He sent His Son to die for you. You can't imagine how much He wants a love relationship with you. And you can have it tonight. Talk to your counselors. Father, thank You. Thank You. Jesus' name. Amen.